Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better-than-okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, and today we're going to talk about self-harm. Self-harm, if you're unfamiliar, is defined as hurting yourself intentionally, on purpose. However, I've never really liked this definition because I think you can, in fact I know from experience that you can, commit self-harm unintentionally. Self-harm usually manifests when we want and need a release from deep emotional pain. Unfortunately, emotional or mental pain doesn't always have a clear ending or a beginning. It's not so easy as oh, so here's the end of my emotional pain, everything is over, I'm safe now. And so causing physical pain becomes a proxy for that release that we desperately need but we can't seem to make happen in our minds or in our emotions. Self-harm can occur in a variety of ways because it varies from person to person. My personal go-to forms of self-harm were cutting myself, getting into fistfights, unsafe sex, promiscuous sex, and binge eating. But other forms of self-harm can include burning yourself or scratching yourself, misusing drugs or alcohol, pretty much any act where you're either looking to punish yourself for something or you're trying to create that physical release or escape from your psychological and emotional distress. A tendency to self-harm can develop with anyone, but it's more common in women and girls, in young people, in people who struggle with their mental health, someone struggling with depression or anxiety or borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, like what my mom was dealing with, any of these things can lead to self-harm, as well as people who endured abuse as children or if you're dealing with any kind of discrimination. And we've also seen self-harm in prisoners and asylum seekers and veterans. So the reasons vary why people would self-harm, and even I couldn't tell you if I started cutting myself because of my parents, because of childhood abuse or neglect, or because I was being bullied for being gay. Who knows? But I can say that my self-harm habits evolved with time. First it was cutting, then it was fighting, then it was the promiscuous self-destructive sex, and then it was my eating disorder. So in that order is kind of the way self-harm played out for me. So it's certainly possible for self-harm to evolve over time or for someone to experience multiple forms of self-harm. Because at its core, self-harm is a maladaptive coping strategy. It's something you learn to do because you don't yet have a healthier coping strategy to use. Ultimately, the goal would be to replace self-harm with a better coping strategy. But before we get into that, let's look at why we self-harm. Why do we develop this maladaptive coping strategy? Well, for me, like most people, I started self-harming because I was overwhelmed by difficult emotions. Stressful situations, upsetting situations were happening all the time in my life. I was essentially leaping from one crisis to the next, from the ages of 13 to 25, on top of, you know, the trauma that happened when I was younger. 
And so there was a lot of sadness, a lot of anxiety, depression, helplessness, overwhelm. I just did not feel like I was in control of my life, in control of my body. And my self-esteem was so incredibly low, my self-love non-existent, that it wasn't difficult for me to do these things to myself. Because usually, if we love ourselves enough, we don't want to hurt ourselves. But if you don't love yourself, you've got no problem hurting yourself. And there's a connection between self-harm and suicidal thoughts. I've mentioned before that I was deeply suicidal and I almost killed myself when I was 24. And it's not uncommon for people who are hurting themselves, who are using self-harm as a strategy, to also contemplate suicide. But just because you self-harm, it doesn't mean you want to die. Self-harm is actually described as a way of managing severe emotional stress so that you don't die. You're actually trying to stay alive when you cut yourself, which is why it's called a maladaptive coping strategy, because that's not the best way to keep yourself alive, right? You just don't know what else to do to find relief from the pain, from the overwhelm, and so you're doing these other things as a way to bring temporary relief, as a way to feel a little bit more in control of yourself and in your life. But self-harming doesn't resolve whatever the underlying issue is, whatever's causing a person to turn to self-harm in the first place. So the relief is always temporary. In fact, it can make the situation worse because it feeds these negative opinions that we have of ourselves. I remember looking at some of my cutting scars and being like, oh my God, why do I keep doing this? I'm so stupid. I'm so crazy. I'm so sick. And so these are obviously destructive thoughts, this self-loathing pattern, and it was only making my self-worth, my self-love, my self-esteem tank. It was perpetuating this cycle, this unhealthy mental cycle. And that was certainly the pattern that I experienced. I would become triggered by something and overwhelming emotions would set in, whatever it was, fear, anxiety, anger, helplessness, and I would seek to escape those emotions by inducing physical pain. In the beginning, the emotions were so big, so overpowering that sometimes I was well into the behavior, into the cutting, the binging, the sex, whatever it was, before I realized I was experiencing an emotional distress, that I was experiencing a trigger. Just as I had described with binge eating, working with triggers, these situations have a lot of momentum to them and we're already in it before we realize what we're doing. So it's very possible to start hurting yourself without realizing that you're in severe emotional distress. That realization requires a certain level of awareness, and many of us from traumatic backgrounds, neglectful, abusive backgrounds, we just did not have the luxury of developing self-awareness because we were too busy trying to survive. So if you're like, yes, I'm struggling with self-harm, but I don't know what the emotional problem is, that's okay. You can reverse engineer this. You can start from the habit, from the self-harm, and move backwards, layer by layer, until you figure out what the underlying issue or issues, possible there's more than one, whatever's going on with you. And what do you do if you're struggling with self-harm? If you're hurting your body in one way or another, what can you do about it? It might help to understand a couple of things. First of all, that self-harm is an act of self-aggression. You're hurting yourself either for the release or because you don't love yourself enough and you want to punish yourself. It could be both. For me, it was both. I remember how much relief I would feel every time I would cut myself and I did not love myself. I was probably 15, maybe 14 when I started cutting myself with one of those razors. You get out of the like $1 disposable pack. You could just break open the plastic casing, dig out the razor, and I would use that to cut my ankle or my wrist. And I still even have some faint scars on my chest from this. And I think the reason why 
I did it was because the pain reminded me that I was alive. Because there were so many days when I felt nothing, absolutely nothing. I was completely numb. Because so much was going on with my mom, with her drinking, with her pill popping, with running off with strangers for days at a time, in and out of jail. On top of me being bullied at school for being gay, this was in the Bible Belt, a very super small conservative town in the mid-1990s, so 100 years ago. And then all of this on top of, you know, my father really destroying my mental health by telling me what a piece of crap I was. And altogether, it was just too much. And my poor little brain, my poor little heart just shut down in order to protect me. I would go completely numb. I would walk through my days vacillating between being totally numb and feeling so much pain that I wanted to die. It was horrible. And cutting was a way, a very maladaptive, negative way to take control of my emotions, to get back in my body, to reconnect with some kind of feeling, some kind of sensation and experience at all, even though it wasn't the best one. And the same was true for the risky sex. I was trying to feel anything but pain. I wanted to feel wanted. I wanted to feel loved and desired by someone, except that these encounters left me feeling more used and ashamed of myself than anything else. Same with binge eating. Same with starting fights with people. I just wanted that momentary rush of freedom and control over my life before my mind would start bashing me again. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you like this? Why can't you just be normal? So yes, I was using self-harm to get relief. But these strategies aren't healthy. They aren't sustainable. They do more harm than good. But the good news is that self-harm can be unlearned. I don't cut anymore. I don't have risky, self-defeating, promiscuous sex as a way to punish myself anymore. I don't binge and purge anymore. I certainly don't go around trying to get into fistfights with people <laughs> anymore, as tempting as that might be sometimes in certain situations. It's absolutely possible to unlearn self-harm strategies no matter how consumed by them you were because I was absolutely in it. I was completely wrapped up in those strategies when I was using them. So please don't believe even for a second that if you're struggling with this that it will be this way forever. That's simply not true. You just need to learn better behaviors to replace your self-harm behaviors with. That's it. Hard to do but very simple fortunately. So how do we unlearn self-harm? For me, I went to therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy is great for replacing maladaptive strategies with healthier ones. But it wasn't like I had so much self-awareness at the time that I just walked into a therapist's office and said, hey, I self-harm and I would like to unlearn this maladaptive strategy. Please teach me healthier coping mechanisms. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Dr. Art didn't even know I was binging until I confessed like a year into treatment and by then I'd already quit. So don't worry about it if you don't know why you're doing whatever you're doing yet. You still have options. You can focus on stopping the self-harm behavior. I think I talk about how to do that in episode 12, ending the cycle, what I did to end my binging. But I think that's really only temporary because really what you want to do is attack the cause of your self-harm, which is your unresolved trauma, whatever you're going through. You are self-harming for a reason. There is some unresolved trauma there that is leaving you with severe emotional distress. So addressing that trauma, processing it, resolving it, will naturally cause you to abandon those self-harm practices. And that's why I recommended therapy, because therapy focuses on processing unresolved trauma. And I had great success in that way through cognitive behavioral therapy. So you've got options. You can attack the self-harm. But again, I think that that's more temporary. 
and that it's best worked with if you attack the underlying causes as well. Because I started by focusing on just the bad habit itself. First, I broke the habit of cutting, then I broke the habit of promiscuous sex, then I broke the habit of binging. But because I didn't address the underlying cause, it just showed up again in a new form. Cutting became fighting, fighting became sex, sex became binging, the cycle continued. It wasn't until I began working on the trauma with Dr. Art that my self-harm finally stopped completely. So consider getting a therapist that specializes in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, Or if you're not ready for therapy, you can explore your unresolved traumas through shadow work, again, looking at episode 20. Or you can do what I did because I was too ashamed to start telling someone my dirty secrets. I started by going to the library. That's what my bookworm butt usually does. First, I'll go read everything I can about something. In this case, I read about trauma, what it does, how to process it. There are a lot of great books out there written by psychologists, books full of exercises. So it's not a bad place to start if you're not ready for therapy, if you don't feel comfortable opening up to someone else. I really don't think you can beat having a good therapist, but that's, again, just my opinion. And we've all got to start wherever we can start. So do whatever is best for you and you will absolutely get there. And that's it for today. I hope you found this useful and that if you're struggling with self-harm or someone you love is struggling with self-harm, please know that it's, it's not the end. There are so many options. There are multiple paths forward for you. Please, please, please don't give up on yourself. I am rooting so hard for you. You are loved and you deserve to be here. Absolutely. I believe that with my whole heart. It's just a matter of figuring out how to make you believe that you deserve to be here. So I'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie. If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.